Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward. And God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience. And just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that. Follow the instructions and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. On, on, on Christian living, thank you, brother. On, on Christian living, when you get saved, we, we become a Christian as uh, soon as you give your life to Jesus. But then, how many has discovered there's a whole lifestyle that needs to be lived? How many's with me? There's a whole lifestyle to live. So the teaching that Jesus brought and told us to do, it kind of goes against sometimes the way we've been raised and the way we talk, the way, the way everybody else seems to be living their life. This is called the paradox of God. A paradox is a seemingly contradictory statement, but upon investigation may prove to be well-founded or true. You have that definition, Haley? Can you throw that up there that I just read? A seemingly contradictory statement, but upon investigation, may prove to be well-founded or true. At first, people heard the teachings of Christ. They didn't really respond very well. Some did. Others didn't. But the more people surrendered to that teaching, the more you saw God begin to change in your life. John chapter 13, it says... Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, that's just when he finished the communion, what we just did, watch this, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas, Iscariot, that's Simon's son, to betray him. That's amazing. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper and he laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Look, Jesus is even pouring his own water to wash the feet. That just stood out to me. And he wiped them with the towel that he had around his waist. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus said to him, What I'm doing to you now, you do not understand, but you will after this. Peter said, You're never going to wash my feet. Jesus said, If I don't wash your feet, you don't have a part in me. So Simon said, Okay, wash my hands, wash my feet, wash my head, wash my house, wash anything you want. You see, his attitude changed. His perspective changed when he realized the significance of the moment. If we would only realize the significance of the moment that you are in right now, it would change your whole perspective. Can I tell you that sometimes before God will change your situation, he'll change your perspective. Because if he can get you to change the way you look at things, it will change everything about you. You'll learn the lesson that he's intended you to learn, and now he's ready for you to move on. He led the children of Israel for 40 years, and they never changed the way they saw things. 
They still had the Egypt mentality. So they never could enter into the promised land. All because of perspective. Somebody say perspective. Peter changes perspective. Then Jesus washed him. Verse 11, verse 10, he says, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you are clean, for he knew who would betray him. Man, that's so deep. If you, That is so good. He says, you are not all clean. You've been coming to church. You've been hanging around. You're listening to the same word, but not everybody's getting it. Is anybody here at 1130? I know you lost an hour of sleep, but you got to be awake because this is one of those words. Tell somebody that you better wake up. It's one of the messages. I come to challenge you today. This series is about being challenged. You only grow when you're challenged. You ever have a coach in football or sports, dance? I don't care what you did. Someone who really is going to get you to grow, you got to be challenged. All the married people say amen. amen. <laughs> so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, he sat down and he said, do you know what I just done to you? You call me teacher and you call me Lord and that's well, that's good. I am. If I then am your Lord and your teacher and I've washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should what? Everybody say that word, two-letter word, do. As I have what? Done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you what? I want to talk to you today about the way down is the way up. The way down is the way up. This is a paradox. Doesn't make sense. But in the kingdom of God, one of Jesus' most famous teaching is this right here. Is the way up is actually the way down. However you want to say it. Are you with me? Father, thank you for your word. I pray you bless the remaining time that we have. Open our understanding. Give us instruction. Challenge us. Give us the power to change. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. On your way down, tell a couple people you're on your way up. You're on your way up. <clears throat> this is kind of like a little series that Jesus has been teaching himself. Last week, I didn't really, I don't feel like I got everything out that I wanted to say, but I, I was in chapter 12, the chapter right before this, when Jesus was talking about dying. And that was a paradox, and I called it dying uh, to live. And Jesus taught in chapter uh, 12 there about a grain of wheat, and he falls into the ground, uh, that he taught about he taught about dying to ourself. And if we die to our selfishness, then we can truly let the life of God live through us. So in order to really live as a Christian, we got to die to ourself. I had a friend that I was mentoring. He was a neighbor. He was a young man, big guy, real strong. Uh, he worked out and he was just really, really fit. Uh, kind of a guy, real buff, kind of like me. And... Uh, you guys got to get awake, man. You wake, uh, you get your coffee. Anyway, he was a real big guy, and uh, he come out of a wild lifestyle. He actually danced for Chippendales, this guy. Chippendales is not the little chipmunks. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Uh, and he got saved, man, and he got actually delivered. He was bound by evil spirits. It's a story that I'll share. I shared with our ETS students at Wayne County College how God set this man free from a demonic spirit. It was just unreal what had happened. It's a crazy story. How many want to hear it? I'll tell you next time. Amen. You got to come next week. Amen. 
But this brother, that this guy began to get into with, he began to, he began to come to church. And like many of us do, we come to church and there's a part of us that wants to live for God. Then there's a part of us that still wants to be the same. And so we try to find a way to, to compromise and make them both happy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is it just me? And so we're a lot like water. You know, water is the laziest substance on earth. If you get a leak in your roof, you'll hear a roofer tell you that in order to find the leak, you'll actually got to rip your whole roof off because they say water is lazy. It finds the easiest way down. Our flesh, guess what, is lazy. It will find the easiest way to not die to Christ and, and live for Christ. And my friend was particularly finding himself into this group that just came and he started to get this mindset. If I just went to church and you know, participated in worship, then I was going to be all right. And he went back out in the world. He he would live his own life and then he started this thing and we all seen it happen and, and so I had to have one of those conversations that I've learned to really love. I mean, oh, Jesus was a confrontational kind of guy and you grow through confrontation. So I've learned to love and appreciate confrontation challenge. And so I had one of them talks with him and he said, Eddie, don't ever question that. I, I said, what, what your problem is is you need to fall in love with Jesus. I said, you need to love Jesus with all your heart, man. And, and I told him some of the things that I did, and I went and rented some VHS video. Remember those? Be kind and rewind. Remember that? You get a dollar fine if you don't rewind. And I remember when I first got saved. True story. I'm a visual person. I'm more visual. I went and rented a bunch of those Christian old movies, King of Kings, the greatest story ever told. And, and, and Melinda fell asleep while I was watching it because they are so slow, and I got so frustrated. I said, you ain't even saved truth she's like shut up it's slow it's boring and, and it truly was i mean they would ask jesus a question and he would just stand there and look at the camera surely surely i say to you if a corn of wheat how many's ever been to a church like that no and so everyone, and she's falling asleep, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm, I'm looking because I wanted to see, I wanted to fall in love with Jesus. I wanted to learn about Jesus so much. I'm a, I'm a visual kind of guy. So, hey, if that works for you, go and get it. It's probably on YouTube now or more, there's more Christian movies out, and thank God. I mean, the effects. Remember Charles Heston? Uh, we were just talking about the Ten Commandments. I remember that old movie. Well, look at the graphics now. I'm just saying. It's like, oh, my gosh. So, man, if they could, they could make some sweet movies now. But anyway, that whole th I did all of that because I just, I just fell in love with this Jesus that I was reading about. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but that's, what, that's the key to Christianity. What is the number one commandment? Love God with all your heart, your mind, your body, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you can just, and Jesus said, all the law of the prophets, all the commandments in the Bible hinge on that one scripture. What do I got to do, Eddie? I'm a Christian. What about the paradoxes? What fall in love with Jesus. I told my friend, if you just, I said, your problem is you just need to fall in love with Jesus. He said, Eddie, I would take a bullet for God. Don't you ever question I don't love Jesus. I said, he don't want you to die for him. He wants you to die to yourself and live for him. Yes. Yes. Let me say that again. I said, he don't want you to take a bullet for him. That's not showing you love God. He don't want you to die like that for him. He wants you to die to self and live for him. Yes. Chapter 12, that's where it was last week. That's sacrifice. Chapter 13, now we're into serving. Now Jesus don't teach how to die. He demonstrates how to really impact culture. How many know we got a messed up world? Legislation that has just been passed in New York about aborted babies. 
things that we are now are called legal and sanctioned and lawful, many of it contradicts the very values of our own documents and our own de declaration of independence that all men are created equal and endowed by our heavenly creator to pursue life. That's our declaration of independence. And so we've got laws now that go against the very scriptures of God. And so what Jesus did is he come along and the, the times that Jesus lived in was also very challenging and very harsh. And so Jesus didn't just teach about this. He demonstrated this. And we often use this chapter to, to teach on, on servant leadership. But let me tell you, and before you become a servant leader, you need to be a servant follower. Yes. And it's one thing to tell somebody how to live for God, and it's another thing to demonstrate it. Yes. So what I'm saying, how we're really going to impact culture and how we're really going to change is by simply demonstrating what we hear in the Word of God. You know, I, I love what happened. If you look at our history, you know one of the big things, uh, the, the big push for abolishing slavery? It was the church. The church wouldn't let the conversation die. The church kept pushing the issue. Abraham Lincoln, when he came into his pres presidency, he did not plan on abolishing slavery at first. It wasn't until he toured the war and he said out of his own mouth, quote, this is carnage and we've got to make a change. That therefore caused him to look and say all men are created equal. equal. And then he began to get the, the wheels into motion. And we saw true change because people like Martin Luther King who said, I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to stand up and demonstrate that I believe all men are created equal. And I'm going to do something about it. Every significant change in our culture and in our history was done by one person. Rosa Parks. You guys know history. Everything can be changed by just one person. Imagine what we could do as the church of Jesus Christ. Six billion people on planet earth. And there are half of them, almost three billion, professing to be Christians. 66 million are assemblies of God. 66 million Pentecostal tongue-talking people of God. That's just the assemblies of God. That's not church of God. That's not the church of God in Christ. Just, if we would just get together. Steve, you were right on with the communion. Let's just get together. If you don't agree on everything, then that's fine. But let's agree that Jesus is the answer. I said, let's agree that Jesus is the answer. And so Jesus took a towel and he demonstrated how to make a difference with culture. And you and I have got to learn to be followers of Christ. Followers of Christ is simply following his example the best you can. Because you can hang around Jesus and not really follow Jesus. Hence Judas in this story. And it is impossible, it is impossible, big word, but it's true, it is impossible to truly follow Jesus and not change. So if we're not changing, maybe we're not following. How many times did he say in this story? I'm, like, I'm going to challenge you. This, this, is a, this is a grow up series. Tell somebody this is for grown folk. This is how we grow is when we're challenged. And Jesus says you really want to make a difference. Then you need to learn to humble ourselves. And the way down is actually the way up something that goes against our mindset. 
And when we hear that kind of thing, I know what you're thinking, especially if like, like if I was on CNN or Fox News, I would love that opportunity, by the way. I'd, I would I'd probably be a little bit more reserved. You guys get me kind of excited in here. Get me preaching. I'd probably be, but I would say the same thing. Like Billy Graham, Martin Luther King, on and on and on. T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready. However, but I would still communicate this truth because this truth would, would change people's life. <laughs> but the response would be, I don't understand. I don't get it. And that's what I love about verse 7. Peter said, Jesus, I don't understand that you're, you're actually telling me that we can overthrow the culture by washing feet. And I, what did he say in verse 7? What I'm doing to you now, you don't understand. But you will when you make it through. Can I just sit there for a minute? There are two ways of looking at scripture. Two ways of looking at every scripture in the Bible. Spiritually and literally. Many of the scriptures in Joel, many of the scriptures cannot be taken, are not intended to be taken literally. They're metaphorically. A lot of poetry that are in Job and the, and the poetic books. There's five poetic books in the Bible. And many of them, they're, they're poetic. You know, it describes the earth and the face of God. And it describes, it describes this as literally. Jesus said, cutting off your hand. Okay, that's not literally what you're supposed to do if you've got a sin problem. <laughs> Please say Amen. <laughs> It's metaphorically, he's saying there's nothing too extreme that you can do to stop yourself from sinning because it leads to destruction. So if you got a, a problem with lust, cut the internet off. Move the computer into the whole living room so your kids can sit on your lap while you watch the same thing. Give your wife your passcode to your phone. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Are we there yet, baby? Woo. Some of y'all are like, I don't like this guy. I thought he was a good preacher. I don't know. I'm going to turn this podcast off. Swipe left. Don't you do that. It'll change your life. You get a hold of what I'm saying. And so we got to be, we got to be challenged. So, but that key scripture there in verse 7, he says, what, so you can look at it spiritually, and I've preached it spiritually, and that means this. You may be in a season right now where you don't even understand what is happening. You, he says you don't understand what's happening to you now, but if you would just hold on and make it through, then you're going to know. He didn't say, then you'll understand. He said, then you'll know. So you may be in a season where you don't understand what is happening to you right now. Let that scripture minister to you and say, hey, you don't understand what's going on right now, but if you will just hang tight and stay close to the Lord, I promise you, you it will make sense when you come out the other side. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear no evil because he is with me. He prepare a table in the midst of my enemy. My cup runneth over and surely in goodness follow me all the days of my life, but I got to make it through that valley. Come on, somebody. Help me this morning. Take another drink of coffee or something. Come on. Let that anointing go. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. You got to make it through. Tell somebody I'm making it through. You don't stop in the valley. But I want to use this scripture to push off and take it literally because I believe this is actually Jesus was telling him literally, Peter, it don't make sense to you right now to stand up 
for me. It doesn't make sense to stand up to the culture. I know everybody else is saying this. Everybody else is doing this. Everybody else is calling evil good and good evil. I know for you to go against the flow, it really is complicated. You don't understand it right now, but you will after this. Let me say it like this. You don't understand, Peter, because you're a fisherman. You're a, you're a CEO of a company, and you've been taught to be driven by ambition and by money and to only look out for yourself and to get all that you can get while you can get it because it's all about you. I want to flip that around and tell you it's better to give than it is to receive. I want to teach you the way up is truly the way down. I want to teach you if you want to be great, then be a servant of all. You don't get it now, Peter, because you've got an earthly mindset, but I want to shift that in you to give you a kingdom mindset. So please hang on. Hang with me. Hang with me. So I thought about this scripture. I said, God, well, how come Judas didn't get it? How come there's so many that don't get it? That bothers me. I'm a fixer. Most men are fixers. That's why, as I said, if you talk to your wives and you're listening, while you're listening to them, you just are thinking of a way to try to fix them. And it makes the wives furious because you're not listening. Well, we're listening, but we're trying to fix it. But men fix things. Women talk to connect. That's, that's good. Write that down. That's good. And so we're fixers. And so I read that scripture and I'm like, God, what's the problem? How come there's people that are disconnected? Why are there, are there people that, are, that don't get it? And he said, it's because they don't understand. Like Peter, they don't understand. So I want you to write these down. Right here in the text, there's three things that I want to give you that you need to understand to make it through the paradoxes of God. If you would understand these three things that's in this story, you will live for Christ. I've been living for him for 21 years. We, we, we just sung a song that he shakes, he breaks the chains. Darkness has to go. Oh, we got every song that talks about that. And I tell you what, it's one thing to, to sing a song. It's a completely different thing to live a song. I'm sitting here telling you that I'm 21 uh, years free of drugs and alcohol. And here's the thing, and I'm loving it. When I go down to Life Challenge, I was just down there Tuesday. It's a program that helps people struggling with substance abuse. And I, I tell the men and women, and I tell them and I, that I've been clean and sober for 21 years, and they usually applaud, and I say, I know that's, a, that's good, and it encourages them. But I tell them the difference is, is I love it. Because I got friends, and I know people, I got friends that are in the penitentiary right now that are, have also been clean and sober for a while, but it's not because they have a choice. It's not because they're living it. And I tell you that God wants you to get to the place where you love dying to yourself. Are you getting this? Well, is he getting it? This little guy was on my roof, by the way, last summer, helping me put, helping put a new roof on pastor's house. Isn't that amazing? Random thought. Pray for me. I just... Pew, pew, pew. I got to get my spinner out. Amen. And, uh, anyway, it's like that movie about Jesus again. <laughs> wake your neighbor. Say, wake up. This is good. So... If we would, and I told them the difference is, is that I, I chose to live through these paradoxes and what, what you'll need to learn. Let me just get into it. Number one is, is the plan. You need to understand, Peter, you need to understand that this is a part of a plan, his plan. Everybody say his plan. First rule of Christianity, you got to believe in the sovereignty of God, we call it. In other words, that God has a plan for all of this. Did you see verse two? It says, Judas... Satan has put it into his heart to betray Jesus. Then look at the verse that Jesus said. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Stop right there. How did Jesus live through being betrayed? He knew that God has given him all things. 
He knew that even though it hurt to be betrayed, it hurt for someone that he loved and he shared his bread with and he shared his time with. Psalms 33, he writes it and said, I could have taken it if you were an enemy. But it hurt me really bad because you were my friend. You were my homie. You were my boy. You were my brother. We went to church together. We worshiped together. But now you stuck me in my back and you betrayed me. Does anybody hear what I'm saying to you today? But Jesus lived through it all. Why? Because he knew that it was a part of a plan. If you don't understand that there's a plan for your life, then you're going to respond the way Peter did. When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter went, whooped out a sword and cut that brother's ear off. Whenever you respond to opposition in the flesh, it's because you forgot the plan. That's why the Bible says, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you go through persecutions because that's the testing of your faith. Didn't we just go through that on Wednesday night? And count it all joy when you face opposition because external opposition will reveal internal motivation. External opposition will really reveal your internal, your internal motivation why you're doing all of this thing. So what I'm doing to you, Peter, you don't understand. But you can understand I got a plan. And I love, look at the perspective and that he knew that God had given him all things. Do you know we normally have, we think you got to fight for victory. This scripture says Jesus was fighting from victory. You don't fight for the victory. If you really believe that God has a plan, the victory's already won. I said the victory's already won. It's already going to work out. All things work together for the good. To those who love God and stay connected to his promise. Listen, you got to believe he's got a plan for all of this mess. you got to believe that he can make a message out of your mess. you got to believe that you're being tested because there's a testimony in the testing. Without a testing, you have no testimony. You just have a money. And some of y'all want to be used of God. All you got is a money, baby. Because as soon as the pressure gets in, you take off running. You're pulling out swords. You're quitting. You're going back to the world. You're going back. Serving God is so hard. <laughs> I loved being a slave and addicted to drugs and alcohol and suicidal and depressed and losing my marriage and my ever-loving mind. It was so fun. Jesus says, man, you got your thinking twisted. Joyce Myers calls it stinking thinking. You got it twisted. Tell somebody you got it twisted, baby. You got to get it right. Jesus said, listen, I know it sounds twisted, but my way is really up. If you just go down, it's up. And Jesus demonstrated it. Why? Because Philippians says he emptied himself of all of his wealth and power. He didn't come down to earth and become uh, like Pharaoh. He didn't become like Pontius Pilate. He was a peasant born in a manger. His mom, Mary and Joseph, went to the temple. And did you notice what sacrifice they were given? Doves. Read in Leviticus. Doves were for poor people. They didn't even have an ox and a sheep. They had pigeons. Come on. Come on. They were poor. That's what the scripture means. If someone here might say, if God only knew what I was going through, if God only knew my struggle, if God only knew my temptation, God, you just don't understand the pain of not having enough. If you only understood, I'm going to tell you something. We sound so dumb when we say that. Because the Bible clearly says that's the whole point of it all. And it was the greatest paradox of all time. Jesus dying on a cross like a criminal. But yet he was rose. He was risen in power. Hallelujah. 
The way up was the way down. Woo, this is good. This is good. Good. Oh, yeah. It is good. Kennedy, is it good? What's up, Jackson? Oh, yeah. It is it is good. It is good. That's my way. I'm from E-Town. Oh, yeah. What's he doing up there? I need some water. Water break. Second service, man. Watch out. <laughs> I'm already down here. <laughs> Ooh, we get on camera. I'm going to have to. I ain't changing nothing, baby. I'm going to preach the word the way I feel it. Y'all, is that okay? The way God gives it to me. It's the way God gives it to me. Look at Jesus. He's dimming. He's putting a towel on. And he's talking about, hey, this is how you're going to make a difference by putting a towel on. But you got to understand that God has a plan. Job 23, verse 9. Have you memorized that yet? You will when you go through it. When you be like Job, you'll read Job. It ain't job. I need a job, Pastor Eddie. I just read job. How you feel, baby? <laughs> job ain't job. It's Job. Job had no job. Job did Job. Okay, that's enough. Job lost everything. Y'all, you know the story. He lost his children. Lost his wealth. His health. God said, you could do whatever you want. He ain't, I know Job, but don't kill him. And God left his wife alive. <laughs> don't judge me. Hang on. <laughs> this is why I say that his wife said to him, what are you serving this God for, Job? Look at your life since you've been a Christian. Why don't you curse God and die? That's what kind of support Job had. He couldn't scroll on Twitter, on Instagram. That was it. That was his only lifeline was his wife who he loved. And she's looking at him saying, man, since you've been a Christian, look what's going wrong. But Job chapter 23 verse 9 says this. When I look to my left, I don't see God. When I look to my right, I don't see God. I'm living in this kind of life. When I look ahead, I don't even see God. When I look behind me, I can't even find God. But I know he sees me. Oh, baby, Job is saying, and by the way, he looked at his woman and he says, you sound like a foolish woman. Yet though he slay me, yet while I serve him. I don't make sense. This don't make sense. But I know God has a plan and he won't put on me more than I can handle. Baby, we just got to get through it. Come on, give him praise for that. Give him praise. At the end of the book of Job, the Bible says he was double blessed. But you got to make it through. And you only will do that if you know, number one, his plan. Then I looked at that scripture again and I said, Jesus, knowing that the Father had a plan, then it says, and. Everybody say, and. That means there's more revelation in this scripture. That's how I read the Bible. I get excited. Some of you will say, the Bible's boring. No, you're boring. <laughs> Learn to love the word, man. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. If you ain't getting none out of it, pray. And say, God, help me open your word. But he says, and. And that he had come from God and was going to God. Watch. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments and he took a towel and girded himself. Whew. It says, and he knew who his daddy was. What does that mean? You got to know his plan and you got to know our identity. Yes. You got to know who you are. Yes. In order for you to really live for God, in order for you to really make it through the paradox, the paradoxes of God, in order to really rise to the occasion, look at this, he knew who his daddy was. Who's your daddy? Amen. 
For real, do you know that you have been bought with a price? What did I just have you sing? And I, we just sung it. Am a child of God. We just sung it. We go, mm, I'm no longer a slave, right? I'm a child, I'm a child of God. You got to really believe that. No matter what the culture says you are. No matter, oh, you feel this way. Someone was telling me the other day, well, I, I guess I'm this way. <clears throat> They're sexually confused and they said that they believe that that way because they said it feels natural to them and I told them who told you that they said some psychologist told them that I said you need to find a Christian psychologist number one but your first lady is getting her degree in Christian psychology because we got some messed up people that need some truth packaged in a way that you'll receive it Jesus was a Christian psychologist Anyway, and I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If it feels right, then do it. Are you kidding me? It feels right for me to. (laughs) So you want me next time I'm in traffic? Because I I wish I had a, uh, sometimes, I've been driving a truck for 17 years. I know about traffic. And sometimes traffic, I'm telling you, you're going to see how saved you are in traffic. I used to say, God, I wish I had a junky car because I'd go through traffic and I would, just, I would just try to teach people. Why are you hitting your brakes? The light is three. Mm, boom. <laughs> Pray for Pastor Eddie in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. No, I, used to, I used to just, you know, God would say, let patience have its perfect work, Eddie. That's right. <laughs> what kind of church is this? I don't know. Anyway, help me, Jesus. Where was I saying? Just because it feels good don't mean you do it. You have to get your identity from what the word says. I guess I'll say it again because I feel like saying it. I am a heterosexual male. I'm attracted to women. I'm married. Amen. I don't know. No, no, no. Listen, this is true because we've got, a, we've got a problem in our culture today where it tells you however you're... This is serious. Our youth talked about this on Friday night to our kids. And I, I told this man, listen, I'm a heterosexual male. For instance, I, 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 love, uh, I love, okay, first of all, before I met her, I'm attracted to women, naturally. I'm going to help y'all. Church needs to talk about this. And, 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 but now the world says, have your way with as many as you, have, as you can. How many have ever heard that, right? We all know that. I never planned on being married. I was going to be one of them dudes that was just going to run around and do my thing. That's how I was. I said that in high school. I graduated in 91. I was married in 92. You know why? Because I recognize this woman right here. You better recognize when God brings the right one. I'm telling you, don't be playing games. The Bible says when Eve was brought to Adam, Adam said, Woo, happy day, happy day. She wasn't wearing, I'm just saying. Read your Bible. He actually named her woman. And I believe it was like this. Whoa, man. You heard that? That's good. I love Christian comedy. He was like, woo. That's for me. (laughs) But when I got married, the world still says it. They just say, don't get caught. Can I preach real to you today? Go ahead, just don't get caught. Word of God says, one man and one woman shall become one flesh. Two death do us part. If I am a Christian, a child of God, then my identity is what that book says I am. I therefore have to put, here's a word we don't use, 
boundaries. I'm still attracted to females though. I ain't gonna lie. I'm programmed that way. Some people may struggle with attractions of the same sex. Some may have both. I'm telling you, if you become a child of God, you need to recognize your identity and put boundaries based on the word of God, not culture. No matter how you feel. Because the feeling never goes away, but I am committed, so I put boundaries around this woman right here, and I protect what God has given me. All the married people ought to get happy in this place this morning. It's a boundary. And the Bible says this, whenever a boundary is placed there, don't remove it until you find out why it was put there. Let me put it in today's vernacular. If you buy a house and there's a fence up, don't rip the fence up until you find out why they put the fence there. Our realtor is saying, and preach it, Pastor Eddie. Because some of y'all don't even know you got a cray-cray neighbor on the other side of that fence. It's wintertime and it looks all peaceful. Wait till summertime come. Here they come. You don't rip the fence up. I am a child. Oh, help me, Jesus. You better know your identity. But look at Jesus. I want you to see this. Jesus knew who he was. And I I want you to see that part. It says, and he rose up. Put that back up there, please. It says, and he knew where he came from God. And he knew he was going to God. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments and he took his towel. If you're secure in your identity, you'll be willing to lay down a title and pick up a towel. I said, if you are secure in who you are, baby, you'll lay down your title. It ain't about a title. It's about putting on a towel. You ain't going to change the culture by saying you're doctor so-so, pastor so-so, this person, I'm the head of this, I'm the head of that. You need to walk and say, hey, I'm going to demonstrate how I'm going to bring change by pursuing towels and not title. Because it takes more strength in serving than in status. I'm all over the place today. Jesus said, and let me just bring it into perspective. You know what was happening in this room? There's usually servants that would wash the feet of the people. It was a custom after you ate, before you ate, after you ate, they'd wash your feet. You would walk, I've been in Israel, it's dirty still to this day everywhere. And you get, you get dirt. So it was, a, it was a custom when you come into the house, they'd wash your feet. Here's the thing. Nobody was, the servants weren't there and nobody else was standing up to wash the feet. So look at Jesus. I want you to see what's happening. They're passing legislation over here. They're doing this and, and this. Eddie. What are we going to do, Eddie? You need to rise up. That's what Jesus said. Hey, ain't nobody else going to bring change. So I'm going to set aside my title and I'm going to pick up a towel and I'm going to bring change. I'm going to bring it to my family. I'm going to teach my sons and my daughters and my grandchildren. And I'm going to teach my family how to live for God. I'm going to teach them about the paradoxes of God. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Am I helping anybody today? He rose up. I think about that bill in New York City. Have you guys read that? That's, the, that's amazing. Let me just tell you, it's not a political thing. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not, a, I'm not political. I'm biblical. I don't care about politics. I vote. I think you should. But I don't trust any of the politicians. I'm just being real with you. I, I don't trust uh, the White House. I trust God's house. I trust the Bible. But I do my part. I believe in patronism. I believe in America. I do. I believe in all of them. Let me say something. When we just did New York City, that bill that passed where it says that if aborted baby survives the abortion, read the bill, 
It doesn't include if it's even mangled. If, the, if somehow the abortion went wrong, went amiss, and the baby survived by the grace of God, they voted in New York City to kill it. That's law. But it's nothing new in your Bible. They would offer their babies to a, a demon spirit called Molech. It's, it's nothing new. The Christian world had to face the same thing. Uh, it's the same. We got all kind of... And listen, it may be illegal one day in America for me to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or Galatians chapter 5. It's already that way with some of our Assembly of God churches in Europe. They have to submit their notes to the governor before they can preach their sermons. You know what would happen if I did that? Well, see, I'm a spirit-led preacher, so I'll, I'll submit my notes. But then I get up here, I don't ever, I ain't looked at my notes. You, you, see, what I, you see what I'm saying? So it, I, I'll, I'll hand in Psalms 23. <laughs> I'll preach Psalms 23. It won't sound like Psalm 23 when you read it, but it, you'll feel Psalm 23. You know by the end of the day that though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to fear no evil because he is with you. Because his rod and his staff and comforts you. He prepares a table right in the midst of your enemy. Surely in goodness, come on, will follow you all the days of your life. Woo! What's that? Psalm 23. How, how, how do we do it? How do we bring change, Pastor Eddie? How do we bring change? You will rise to the occasion. The way down is the way up. This is how we, let me demonstrate how we change legislation and how we change. The church is what pushed the whole issue, as I said, with slavery and all of this in our, in our country. How do you do that? The Bible says, if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. We pray. Secondly, we need, to, we need to support pregnancy centers. We need to support foster care and adoption. We have several foster families in our church. We have a whole month that we're going to be having, and I think it's in May, Foster Care Awareness Month. We do that as a church. To, all we're saying, we're not preaching at people, throwing a Bible at people. We're saying, hey, there's an option. We need, to, we need to bring change by demonstrating that God has a plan and a purpose for people's life. Is anybody hearing me today? This is the kind of thing that we got to do in our country. There's an example of Moses, and I'm starting to close. Oh, we lost an hour, so I get to go another hour, right? <laughs> you read in the book of Numbers, the Bible says a plague broke out. Thousands of people were dying. Moses rose up and said, God, how can I stop this from happening? God said, you put some fire, put it in your censer, but you got to stand between the living and the dead. Can I tell you, we need to be the church. We're called to stand between the living and the dead. We're called to stand against racial tension. It's not comfortable. We need to stand between people who are confused with their sexuality. We need to stand between people, not bash them. Have compassion without compromise. People that are confused, people are depressed, people are, that are thinking suicide is the answer. Please, suicide is not the answer. Do you know there's an eternity on the other side of this? Your last heart breathe here, your heart, last heartbeat here. You're going to step right into eternity. And I do not want to stand in front of God saying I took my own life. I mean, this is a real thing. The church needs to rise up and start talking about this stuff. 
And the book has got all the answers. There were nine suicides in the Bible. It, this stuff is not, but we get into church and we just want to talk about it something else. We need to talk about this. That's going to bring real change and comfort to you. And Moses was willing to stand between the living and the dead. So you're, you're going to live this life if you understand he's got a plan, if you know your identity, and lastly, if you want to stand with me. You've got to understand that there's a need. Verse 17, or verse 15, Jesus said, For I have given you an example that you should what? Go to church and just say amen. Go to two services, three services, underline it in your Bible. No, what did he say? Do it. Do as I have done. What are you saying, Pastor Eddie? Jesus is saying, man, there's a lot of dirty feet out there. There's a lot of need out there. There's a lot of people that are hurting. There's a lot of people that need change in their life. This makes sense to anybody today? Why did I preach this? Because I think if you listen to what I said in the, in the word of God, you'll be more willing to go down and understand that it, the way up is truly the way down. The way down may be in a conversation. The way down may be, I don't know, let the Holy Spirit lead you on this, but serving is what is so important. Not just volunteering at church. We've got one of the most healthiest churches I have ever seen. This size to have that many of you that serve and participate and love it. Some of you served at 9.30 and you came to 11.30. I see you guys up here. I, I saw Angie last Sunday. Thank you for serving because this is one of my favorite things to do here on Sundays. Down here, I saw Crystal. She's down here with our River Kids today. I said, how you doing? And she goes, better that I'm here. And I, I said, thank you for serving. She said, I'm glad I'm, I serve because it really makes me sure that I'm going to come to the house of God. It's being accountable. That's kind of like what I do. <laughs> I didn't want to go to church. I was sleeping. I was rolling over. And I said, I don't want to go. And Melinda said, Eddie, you're the pastor. <laughs> I said, okay, we just got to go to Tim Hortons. Come on, people. Everybody know what I'm saying. <laughs> But you know, you know why I get up and I do this? Because I could be doing anything. This last week, six years ago, my boss, my company came to me and offered me a job in management. Last Sunday, six years ago. It was the same weekend you guys voted me in as your pastor. It's, I need to write a book because this is, I've been there 15 years. My boss has never done this. Friday morning, he walks me into the office and he shows me this is going to be your office. You get a company car, laptop, a card, a gas card. You're going to get we're going to $10,000 in your 401k right off the bat. You go right into management, and I'm going. <laughs> he said, go home, talk it over. I know you're a praying man. Pray about it. I'm thinking, this is, this, you're kidding me. That same weekend, you guys voted me in as a pastor. And I said, honey, if we don't get a good vote, I ain't taking it. And we had a 49 yes and one no. One of y'all missed God, I think. <laughs> Someone later told me they think that's them and they think they did it wrong. It's a guy, person. But anyway, I looked at her and I said, and our, our superintendent came down in the office because we were down in the office when you guys did it at the business meeting. And the first words out of his mouth, he said, Eddie, he told me the numbers. Then he said, Eddie, that is a good vote. He said, I've done this in churches. This is what I do. And that's one of the best votes you can take. I already knew when that boss was offering me this job. And nothing wrong if you can get a promote. Because if you ain't called to preach, don't even try it. 
Hebrews says no man takes this upon themselves. Rod Parsley said if you can do anything besides preaching, then do it. And if you preach for a while, you see what I'm saying. But here's my point. God said you, the way up is the way down. Pay cut. Yeah, there's, there's some things. You know, the church takes care of us. But there was a lot I did. You know, it was a different, it's a different dynamic. But God is taking, this is what I'm called to do. So this is what I do. I don't know why I said all that, but I did. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.